Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Beyond the Fairways with PGA Tour professional Jay Delsing and hosted by four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Now, it's Beyond the Fairways. Welcome in to Beyond the Fairways. It is Masters Week in the game of golf. I don't know about you, Jay Bird, but I hear that music. It's like Christmas morning for any golf fan. <laughs> it absolutely is. It puts a smile on my face now. It's done that for me for, oh, man, as long as I can remember. I just love this time of year. In the Masters, Danny, is always must-see TV. That back nine, oh, the drama, the, the great golf we've seen. I can't wait. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Jay Delsing, Beyond the Fairways, is always on this podcast Providing you with big-name guests. And last week, Taylor Twelman. We've had Tom Watson. Uh, we've had some great guests like David Faraday as well. You can always go back and listen to our podcast. This edition of Beyond the Fairways, we visit with Gary McCord. Now, he played in over 400 PGA Tour events, then became one of the best analysts that golf has ever seen. So I'll ask you, Jay Bird, uh, what do you want to hear from Gary McCord? Well, you know what I love about McCord is he was irrever- irreverent. You know, he, he saw things and wanted to do things differently. He wanted to carve out his own uh, niche. I got to play golf on tour with him probably half a dozen times. He was a, he's a character. You know, Danny, it's, it's harder in our world today with all the social media to stay a character. I think Faraday was talking about that on our first show. But McCord has maintained a, a, a being a character. And you really don't know what he's going to throw out at us. I mean, we know, I want to know about the movie stuff that he's done. His, the way that he grew up in Southern Cal, he'll have some stories that'll curl your toes. I mean, you're, there, there's a guy out there that nobody knows about that is a legend with most, most professional golfers. We have to ask him, you were telling me a couple of weeks ago about him splitting his pants in Memphis, I think it was, and he did not have any underwear he wasn't wearing underwear and then he goes out and shoots a pretty good round so we got to ask him about that yeah absolutely that was one of those things where you know <laughs> it's it happens, so hot I guess. down there i'm sure that has to do with you know back in the day there weren't any laundry services nobody was staying at nights hotels when you play the tour even in my generation you didn't really make that much money you know until tiger came along and changed everything so and 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 gary is about 
oh, about 10 or 15 years older than I am. So he saw even less money to play for. You mentioned Tiger. I am fascinated to watch him this week at the Masters, and he always moves the needle, but especially at the Masters, the golf world, the non-golf fans are all watching, and Tiger Woods is going to move the needle one way or another this week. He is, and Danny, I think what's really interesting to plug into, and this will indicate what sort of week Tiger's going to have, watch his putting. I know that sounds really odd, but when you don't play competitive golf day in and day out like he's used to, and it's hard to get your mind right on the greens. It just is. There's That's the time where you're looking to wrap up three good shots and convert on a birdie on a par five or whatever it might be. And there, there's just, it's, it's really hard to quiet your mind when you're not playing a lot. I think, too, this might be a way to look at him physically because of the challenge of Augusta National up and down the hills. If he can get through this and all of a sudden is able to qualify for the four days, how does his body hold up? And I I think it could be an indication of what happens in other spots on the tour this summer. Yeah, no question. And it's a great point, Danny. And the other thing is Augusta is – I'm I'm just running through my head right now, and it's it's at least in the top two or three in extreme asks for the walk. And look, the young guys, Rory, Chef, those guys, Rom, they don't care. They're they're super healthy. They're 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 super fit, and the walking part won't even phase them. But that's not the case for Tiger. LIV players are allowed to play in the Masters. So you've got the Masters dinner of past champions and some of those guys. I got goosebumps thinking about it. Are LIV players. And then you see guys that, for many golf fans, if you haven't been watching the Live Tour, it's your first crack at DJ and Cam Smith and Phil Mickelson. I think that is a fascinating storyline and maybe the storyline of this Masters. Oh, I totally agree. I mean... Um, I've already been in the, you know, I'm in the weeds on reading of this stuff and CVS has already talked about a level playing field. They're not going to uh, discriminate one way or the other. And I hope they stay true with that. It's, it's really going to be interesting, Danny. Think of this. Who's the guy in charge of seating arrangement at the champions dinner? Because you've got Reed, you've got DJ, you've got Phil, you've got Sergio, man. Those are the, those are the, the lightning rods right there. I can't wait to see it and hear about the master's dinner because a lot of times as the average fan is out there, you're hearing about the menu of the, the champion from the year before. And that's about it because I'm sure those guys are telling tall tales and oh, yeah. th- there's oh, a yeah. few cocktails rolling and they just kind of keep it in house. It's an exclusive club, but I do wonder if some of that stuff comes out and they're asked about it, and, and people are going to say, what was that champion's dinner like for all you guys? No question. I was reading earlier this week, Fred Couples said probably the coolest thing he's ever seen at the champion's dinner was, it was either it was last year, I think, Hideki Matsuyama was a defending champ. He stood up before the meal and gave about a six- to eight-minute minute speech in English. And, and it was, you know, this is a guy that, doesn't know English very well, and he didn't miss a word. That's great. And when this thing ended, the entire room stood up and gave him a standing ovation because Fred, Fred said he got his last word out, and then he just kind of went, whew. Like, <laughs> I'm so, so glad that's over with. But Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Gary Player, all those guys said it was incredible to listen to him articulate in English what he was thinking and feeling everything we do on this particular show is around the masters including 
innovations in golf. And we're going to talk about how the Masters does the television portion of this much differently. Tip segment, the Masters, the undulation around the greens in, in particular. We're going to talk about that. We'll give our picks of the week. I can hear it again. The music tells me to go to break. And that means Gary McCord is coming up, who also, I want to ask him about his relationship with the Masters being an analyst. You've got to be prim and proper when you go to Augusta National. It probably doesn't fit Gary McCord. No, it doesn't at all. We know that he got booted from the, you know, uh, what's really interesting, and, and I want to ask him, is that how was he able to maintain his job when he gets booted, you know, on CBS Golf, the jewel in the crown is the Masters. Absolutely. No doubt no doubt about it. And you have the great Jim Nance with all of his legendary calls. How do you get booted as he did but maintain his job the other weeks of the year? That's pretty. That had, couldn't have been easy to, to, to meander through. Coming up, we visit with Gary McCord, and this is Beyond the Fairways. It's time for the Beyond the Fairways player profile. Let's get back to Jay and Dan. Beyond the Fairways rolls on, and our guest, Gary McCord, former PGA Tour player, and he played in over 400 PGA Tour events. And that was impressive in itself, but really made his mark in broadcasting as one of the great analysts the sport has ever seen. And I know, Jay, we've been looking forward to this visit for a long time and getting Gary McCord on Beyond the Fairways. No, absolutely. I, I Gary, I so appreciate you joining us and and. Getting to, we haven't connected in quite a while, but getting you've come to St. Louis and done charity events with me, and 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 um, just just getting to reconnect is just a treat. Yeah, it's good to hear from you guys. Everything good? Couldn't be much better. We don't have the weather in Arizona where you're based out of, so we're looking forward to spring. We're looking forward to summer. Yeah, we're looking forward to spring too. We've been it's been cold here. I mean, for Arizona, it's been really cold. So. Anyway, start starting to warm up, so things are getting good. Yeah, so Gary, tell everybody, just give us a little idea of what's going on with you and how you're spending most of your time these days. Well, we've got, uh, I'm, you know, you, you got to stay busy when you're 100 years old like I am, or you just kind of lose lose all faith with with uh, life. So I we started, uh, Peter Costas and I have a uh, podcast uh, called Costas and McCord Off the Rockers that we're doing. It's kind of fun. You know, you stay, you stay current, you got to study a little bit and, and talk to people and, uh, and do things. So that, that's been, that's been fun to put all this together. We've only been out there for like three weeks. And so that's uh, kind of what I'm, I'm doing now, playing some golf, doing, still doing golf outings and stuff. And, you know, just staying busy like you guys. Well, Masters Week is here and you had a unique experience when it comes to the Masters uh, as a broadcaster, can you tell our listeners what happened and what that was like for you? Well, I started uh, started Augusta doing the Masters in 1986 for CBS. It was my first year. Jim Nance had just come aboard too, so he and I were kind of new together at, at Augusta. It was interesting the um, the do's and the don'ts when they meet with you and what you can do and what you can't do. As Jay knows, I probably wasn't the wasn't the <laughs> <laughs> and it was just after the first meeting, it was just kind of a matter of time. We didn't know when. So, but it lasted, you know, I lasted for like, for like eight years through 1994 when I finally put down, uh, euthanized, I guess you could say. <laughs> and um, I just, you know, I, I, I hate cliches. I just, I, I can't stand it. So 
what I what I try to do in the broadcast business is I you know I take a I take a saying that everybody uses and I I just said literally rewrite it a hundred times. So whatever it was, like you know, it came up short and you know, rewrite it or oh he's dead there, tag on his toe, he's on the slab, he's in a body bag, you know, just something <laughs> just keep fresh. And that was the one thing that I was told when I started the business that would it would be best if you kept fresh. Fresh meaning don't if you're predictable of what you're gonna say in that business, uh, you're not gonna last very long. So that's kind of what I did. And um I used a couple of those cliches. <laughs> um, it was over the green. I was on the 17th hole. And if you hit it, Jay, you know, if you hit it over the green on 17 and the pin's back right, there's nothing. You, you know, everybody <laughs> says you're dead down there. So I said, oh, you know, he's got a tag on his toe or he's in the slab or he's in a body bag. Uh, they didn't like that. Finally, it was just Jose Maria Olofabo, who was leading the golf tournament. He won the golf tournament that year in 94. And he was out there in the fairway and the pin was in the same position. And we went to a commercial break. And I, up in the tower, to stay fresh like that, I, I had magazines. Um, <laughs> before we could actually get, you know, our computers, we could get up there and, and get, get a signal. And uh, I had a stack of magazines all the time. I mean, from Mad Magazine to Scientific American. And I'd just go rattle through them during commercial breaks, not to read anything, but just pick up words, right? And then words go clanking around in my head and then it comes out some way so i was i was reading that time i was reading the magazine uh people magazine about i live in escondido california used to and uh, they had a spa there named the golden door very expensive spa and uh they had a, it was a menu of things that you could get done uh, <laughs> something with cucumbers you put in your eyes right seaweed wraps and and bikini waxes and stuff so Bikini wax, oh, that's interesting. So, you know, Jose hit the ball on the wrong side of the green there, and he had nothing on the putt. It was just a big old sweeper, and when it started down, it wasn't going to stop. And I said, I, you know, I, these guys are afraid of these greens. I, in fact, I don't think they mow them. I think they bikini wax them. You know, and he hit it 12 feet by the hole, and that was that. And then a couple of three, four days later, um, that was it. Wow. <laughs> find something else to do that week every year so that's, Gary, uh, that's Gary, kind of what happened wasn't it wasn't it the letter that tom watson wrote that really kind of started the ball rolling yeah yeah i don't think at that point masters had anything to do with it until they got a letter and so they sent that somehow frank got the letter frank chicane our producer director got the letter he gave it to me at hilton had the next week and it was in pencil and i go what's this and he goes well, I said, I wrote a letter to, to Augusta or to us. And he goes, I think to Augusta. And he said, they just sent it on to me. And I went, oh, this is not good, is it, Frank? He goes, no, it's not good. <laughs> and uh, nothing happened for like three days. And then he called me back in the office and he goes, okay, now, now all of a sudden the storm started. And that was it. And um, so that then it was just, you know, at that point, CBS, that is their, that is their, their big uh, – product is is augusta i mean it's as big as anything they have and in their arsenal of uh, of sports so they're not going to protect a stupid announcer in any way shape or form politically so i really had to fight the fight myself and try not to get you know totally fired from cbs so it was an interesting not a fight but it was an interesting survival class to figure out how to you know i got kicked out of the biggest tournament in front of the most people and now i'm going to 
not, I keep working for CBS and with that lingering over your head. So it was interesting that that whole thing was very, very interesting to uh, go through that landmine, a landmine of, of that feel of landmines to try to figure out how to do this whole thing with zero help from, from anybody. Frank says, I can't help you. The president told me he can't help. So that, that was, that was interesting. That was a hell of a class right there. And, and you had some words with Tom. I forget what tournament we were playing in, but I remember a little bit of that. Yeah, I was at, um, we were registering at. Um, is it a Pebble? Yeah. And uh, we came in on the same charter flight, and he was there, and he was in front of me <laughs> getting in line. And so I decided, we're, that's enough. We're going to talk about this. So we went over to the corner there and uh, yelled a little bit at each other. So <laughs> that was it. We got each, each of us got our, got our say in, and. Uh, we went on our way. We're, we're fine. We're fine. Gary and Jay, if you could hold on for just a moment, I want to tell our listeners about BetterHelp. Beyond the Fairways, brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp.com and use our promo code slash BTF for Beyond the Fairways, P-O-D. Again, BetterHelp.com slash BTF, P-O-D. And get on your way to being your best self. BetterHelp's mission is to encourage people to invest in themselves. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and they facilitate over 5 million video sessions, voice calls. They've got chats and messages every month. And it's so easy, affordable, and private access to high-quality therapy. Since 2013, there's been over 30,000 licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapists from BetterHelp's network. And amazingly, they have helped more than 2 million people face life's challenges to improve their mental health. So many of us believe that they don't need therapy or a therapist. However, we've heard from so many people that have used a therapist at BetterHelp and they found relief in just talking to somebody. It is impactful. So many have said they feel like a different person after working with the therapist at BetterHelp. It could be past trauma, anxiety, or just need to talk to somebody about life. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, think BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, suited for your schedule. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Beyond the Fairways is brought to you by BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash BTFPOD and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash BTFPOD. Give online therapy a try and get on your way to being your best self. I'm so curious because your personality came across on the television for all the viewers every Saturday and Sunday, and it was great. It brought the average fan into the game with uh, some humor, with educational points of the game of golf. And back to the Masters for a bit, did, did that bother you because of their unique rules that all of a sudden you couldn't show off your personality. No, that was what it was one of the things on my list that I had to, you know, to cope with was to do I change uh, because of that, and how do you go forward f- from there? And I said, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be who I am. That's why Frank hired me. So you know, I'm gonna keep doing the same things. Uh, start, try to stay fresh. Make sure you know you know the players. Um, and try to communicate with the people in, you know, short bursts, five second intervals, paint the picture fast and get out. And, and, uh, and that was it. So I just, I just stuck with that and try to stay above that fray. And that was it. And then at the end, I do remember at the end, you know, this, the whole woke thing kind of, I know Barkley and I've talked about it. Charles Barkley and I've talked about it a bunch. I got to a point 
where I was editing myself as I was speaking, which is not a good situation. <laughs> um, because how it would come out before it was just, you just fire, right? And you just go. And uh, then you, you edited everything you were about ready to say to see who would offend. That got a little cumbersome um, as far as communications. And I know Charles is the same thing. And that's, he was going to quit when he was 60. He, was, he said he'd had enough, of course. And then they offered him because he met with Greg Norman about doing the live thing. They gave him a $200 million contract and Charles didn't quit. So uh, no one offered me that. So, uh, <laughs> that would make I you unretire right away, man. I mean, what yeah. the hell kind Good of money? Gary, what was it like? You know, Cherkanian, he was such a character. And I can remember he would ride the golf course every, you know, while we're playing Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. And he was such a fun, colorful guy. But behind the scenes and behind the, the television, there's some really crazy stories with Frank. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole group was crazy. It was quite a learning process. I was still playing. I wasn't, I wasn't going to... You know, I had no no uh, uh, future plans of doing television or anything. It was just a happen chance deal, meeting with Frank. I remember <laughs> the first time that um, I'd asked him if, if I could come and watch. I was on the policy board in 1980, when did I start the policy board? 83 or something to about 87. I was one of the three player directors. And I remember at CBS where I was on an airplane with him. I asked Frank if I could come into the trucks and watch him do a a televised event. It was a memorial. I didn't know anything about television, but I'm making decisions, you know, as to contracts with CBS at that point, ESPN, ABC. I didn't know anything about television. I just want to watch, see what happens and how they do it, and get a, you know, get an idea. So he goes, yeah, I see. and I played a lot on the tour, didn't make a whole lot of money. So I was semi broke. And I asked, I said, can I stay in the, uh, your hotel there? And I, he said, yeah, yeah, come on, check in. I'll, I'll put you up there. So I went out there the first day. And he said, we have we have meetings at night, production meetings at night. Uh, okay, I, you need to go to the production meeting. Was, okay. So it was in the bar at the hotel. <laughs> and, um, and so then we went in the bar and then we went to dinner. And I was sitting next to Pat Summerall. And these guys were all lighting up and everything. You know, I was still playing. I'm, you know, grinding them. Trying to you know trying to hit four irons up in the air with a little cut, <laughs> and um, we're eating we're eating all of a sudden to summer all of a sudden we're you know we're eating a salad, and uh, he's he's got uh, he's got Roquefort dressing in his salad. All of a sudden he goes face first in his salad, just boom. And I'm sitting next to him. I'm looking over, and he's he's in the his face is in the salad. He's not moving. And I'm like, God, what the hell? And everybody keeps talking like it's nothing. So finally, I'm sitting there, he's drowning in the Roquefort dressing. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm brand new there. So all of a sudden, Ben Wright comes around the thing and, and grabs his head, pulls him out of the salad, wipes his face off, and walks him up to the to the elevator, takes him to his room, puts him to bed, comes back, and they just keep talking. I wasn't said a word. <laughs> but what the hell is Unbelievable. this? Unbelievable. What just happened? You know, and that was my first first time there working with them when I was playing, and I thought that was interesting. They lived hard. They lived very, very hard. So then, you know, I started to work for them and play, and then you've got to draw a line at some point, right? That job looked pretty good, so it kind of morphed into me quitting and, and playing. But it was to, to work under Frank 
he was the leader of the pack. He started everything in television and, and knew what he was doing, and, and you did it his way, and that was the only way. But it was a great way to learn the business. Gary, you know so many of the players that have made a jump to LIV, and they're going to have a chance now to come back and play in the Masters. I'm curious, what do you think about that? Well, I, th- I think it's going to be very interesting. I'd love to be part of that Champions Dinner uh, that they have. That that should be uh, – the seating arrangements should be fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Somebody asked me the other day, "What would you do if you know if you if you wanted you had to throw the party?" I said, "I think it's pretty easy. They've all got courtesy cars. You go over to Chick Fil A. Everybody goes to Chick Fil A, gets their order, parks in the parking lot. You uh, lock the door and roll down the windows, and you can eat your Chick Fil A and, and talk to who you want. And the doors are locked, so somebody coming can't get you. So that would be the way I would do it. Wouldn't have any problem. You didn't want to talk to anybody. You don't." So, I, you know, the other part of this, too, is now LIV is off and running. What do you think about it? Do you think it survives? Do you like it? What's your, your opinion on the Live Tour? Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with those guys. Um, we have 35 tour pros out at the uh, golf course I belong to in Scottsdale. So I, I see these guys all the time. I was talking to one the other day, just seeing I for about an hour and a half about the whole deal, what he thinks is going coming on and you know you, you first of all you look at the money and, and you always follow the money and money says they're going to be there for a while so they're going to find their way it's going really slow at this point uh owgr is the only thing that obviously is holding them back which is the world golf ranking points uh to get them in any kind of tournaments consistently that's going to be the big deal the big hurdle they'll be there they, I, they tried to get me to come on and do the uh I talked to Norman a couple, three times. He told me that they're they're going. First year was going to be eight tournaments, then 14, and then 23. And um, they're going to get a TV network. He didn't know at that point who it was or anything. But so the, you know, they're just they're just starting. They're creating things. They've they've created quite quite a rise in purses all over all over the world, especially the DP Tour and our tour considerable amount of money has uh, reorganized itself and got to the players hands uh, because of that so i i think most of the players on the pga tour are quite thankful for for live and and uh, jacking their purses up uh, as you've seen quite a bit so it, it's something that nothing's going to get done i don't think other than the courtroom probably will take seven to ten years i had crescent litigation of this type uh, we've already seen what's happened. They deposed uh, Ramiyama, <clears throat> Al Ramiyama, the guy that runs the PIF over in, in um, Saudi Arabia, and he won't show up over here, the judge in San Jose. So that's because they they claim sovereignty. So now you now we're, we've got you know world world views coming into to focus on the, your law against our law and what's going to happen. It's going to be a mess. It's absolutely going to be a mess. Nothing's going to happen. I think that we probably need the leaders of these larger tours need to either step aside or, or do something. But we need a little bit of uh, probably arbitration in this whole thing to, to get a, a, a better a better view of this situation. I don't know how long the golfing public is going to sit around and listen to court proceedings and um, the litigious nature of this whole thing. I think that could get a little little busy. They're going to be around. When you've got $670 billion in a public trust fund and, and you're committed through 2030 
to use golf as is one of your uh, tools to um, pursue um, your stature in the world and the way they look at you. So, and they have the money and they they have the concept. They're they're going to be there. So I think we everybody's got to deal with that. When it comes to Greg Greg Norman, you know he was a lead analyst for us at Fox for just a minute and. I, I've, I've played with him a couple of times. I, I always liked him. He's got a much more personality than he shows a lot of times. But this it, this just reeks so much of his ego to me, man, and it, it just bothers me. Yeah, I mean, this is not the first time he's done this. Uh, this is the first time he's done this with a big wallet. You know, he's, he's always had a – with the tour that they weren't getting fair treatment. And that basically is Australia. Um, and he's the one that saw the Ryder Cup, and then he's the one that – He's the one that pushed for the uh, President's Cup to get the rest of the world involved in something like that. So he's been instrumental in an aggravated way uh, about expanding expanding the tour to the world, not just the United States. So, yeah, he he's the spoon that, that's stirring most of this stuff. It's going to be hard, I think, politically, in my opinion, to get anything done with him at the at the realm there. Maybe cooler heads will come in and, and we can get some kind of so, some kind of meshing of, of all these different tours into a, a world tour to uh, use the use basically use the talent that we have around the world in a more productive way. I love it when Gary McCord pops up in a movie. How did acting or your appearance in movies come about? I was home and, and I got uh, my agent called me and said, "Listen, I got a I got a movie script here, and um, they want you to take a look at. It. They want you to be a part of it as a technical director and." actor and um help with the help with everything in the movie about golf uh, what he goes yeah he said i'll send it to you so i got this uh script and it, on the it's a cover letter on the front it says warner brothers it says a movie uh working title was called tin cup the bar Long scene show. is great when kevin costner you know and they they have the uh the bet and you're sitting there doing the uh the play-by-play, or at least the analyst work. I can't remember what you grabbed for your microphone, but that is the best. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. You know when I when I read when I read the damn script. When you when you get a script and you're in it, they tell you you're in it. The first thing you do is you go through a script real fast to see how many times your name's mentioned. <laughs> you know, line uh, because you know if you're in there like twice in a in a script. I think the script was forty. 43 pages, Wow! I think. And I was in there a lot, you know, with a lot of stuff. And I went, okay, well, shit, I'm like, let me read this. <laughs> so I read it and I was reading it. I go, well, I did a lot of these things. And I go, how the hell would he know I did these things? Or they just somehow wrote wrote this script and it coincided with what I did. And I, Pelican scene was, oh, Jay, you'll remember this. We were in, um, he might not have been on the tour then. We were in Pensacola playing the uh, Pensacola Open. Perdido Bay what? was, was yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, and we were in a um, a condo, and it was a rain out the whole day. It was just an absolute deluge, and you really couldn't even go outside. So there's me, John Schroeder, Bill Calfee. You know, we're all sharing a room trying to cut cut expenses down. We were on an inlet there, and we had a wharf out there, and we were playing gin. And I go to the back, my back bedroom. I'd take a leak or something. I don't know what I was doing. And my clubs were back there and everything. I start to walk out back down the hallway and I look and a pelican landed on, on the wharf out there. And I looked and I had my bag there and a bunch of balls. And I go, Hey guys, give me 10 shots. And I'll bet you I can knock that pelican off his perch. <laughs> <laughs> the lamp. 
obviously I got to open the doors. I got back there and I, I look at this thing, man, this thing got higher. It was probably 150 yards, but I had to hit through a hallway, through the living room, open the sliding glass doors, get it through that, get it over a wooden railing, and then get it out, you know, towards the, towards the inlet there, the canal. <laughs> I'm back there and I'm going, now I'm thinking, God, I can't, I got to hit down on this thing. I can't take a divot. I'm going to ruin the carpet. I'm going to pay for it. And if I pull it, I'm going to hit the sliding glass door, which is going to be a lot of money. My God, this shot got really hard. So I hit this thing and I picked it and I hit it and I went to the hallway and I went to the living room and just missed the sliding glass doors because you got to cut a little bit to put some spin on. And I looked at this going right at this damn bird. They're all looking and I went right up. Right over the top of his head, about a foot over his head, he flew off the deal. And I went nuts. Probably the best shot I ever had in my life. I did that. We were screwing around there. And there was no social media then. This was back in the early 90s. So all of a sudden, you know, it's it's in the movie. And I go, so I called. And the other one was, I made a, you remember the old, um, in Memphis, did you play? Uh, Colonial? Colonial Country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember the 16th hole? You had to hit it over the trees and lay it up short of the water. Oh, yeah. The green. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I hit it over there, and I had it was on a Friday. I had to make the cut. And I had to birdie two of the last three. So I was in that know, situation I, a I got, lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I hit it over there, and I had a four iron left in my second shot, and I killed it perfect. And it hits the pilings in the front, bounce in the water. My caddy starts to walk down to the drop area by the green. I said, no, 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 give me the ball because I'm now done. I can't give me a ball. I can do this. So seven balls later, <laughs> I four irons, and my caddy comes up to me. He's got a golf ball in his left hand and another club in the other hand. <laughs> I was obviously pissed. And I said, I got nose to nose with him. I said, what is this for? Pointing to the three iron he gave me. He says, this is the last ball you got. And you know, the worst thing is, you know, you can't, you can't run out of balls. You can't, you can't do it. You can't do a rob um, because the boys will get you next week. So I hit the three. I hit it on. Made a 45-footer for 16. So <laughs> that was that scene in the movie, too. And I, I called my agent. I said, if this is all true, call Ron Shelton up, and I need to talk to him. So I get a hold of Ron Shelton. I think it was that day. And I said, where the hell did you get this? And he goes, well, you did it. I said, yeah, but no one knows I did that. It was, you know hundred years ago, and there was no way in any communication. He says, yeah, I read it in Golf Week. I said, what'd you read in Golf Week? He said, about the 16. And I like that. I like the idea. He kept going for it. <laughs> I'm missing a cut anyway, right? It didn't matter. And uh, the Pelican was, he had heard that somewhere. And so I said, okay, if, if you're serious about doing this, why don't you come on? Let's talk about it. You know, I was just testing him. You know, I knew who he was. Obviously, he was a superstar in the, in the business. He he flew in. He got Kevin Costner's airplane. He flew in, and, and we we went hiking and and had cocktails every night and had a ball. And I said, "Yeah, I'll do this. This this will be fun." So it was. It was a ball. It was three months, and uh, you know, in the inside of that whole thing, and then helped produce with Gary Foster, who did it. And everything. it was it was great, fantastic. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan. R-H-O-N-E, stepped up to the challenge. They have the Commuter Collection. Now that is the most comfortable, breathable, flexible set of products known to man. 
And here is why. There's a product for every occasion. I love it. I use it when I play golf or do business. And Roan helps you get ready for any occasion with the Commuter Collection, which offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Roan Commuter Collection. And we know that mobility is everything, and Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility. I love that. That leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. Looking good is easy, so it's time to feel confident without that hassle. And with Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles just disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It really is that easy. Another great part of this, especially if you're out playing golf or sports, the Gold Fusion Anti-Odor Technology. You'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. The Commuter Collection can get you through any workday straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash BTF for Beyond the Fairways. Use that promo code BTF. You'll save 20% off your entire order. Again, let me say that, 20% off your entire order when you head to Roan, R-H-O-N-E.com slash BTF. And it's time to find that corner office comfort. BTF, save 20%. Roan.com slash BTF. I can remember when it first came out, Gary, and it was so, you know, golf hadn't, we really hadn't had the Tiger effect yet, and it was so much fun to see everybody on the big screen. fun part was when you go to the openings, you know, the red carpet deal and you're in New York and stuff. I was a menace to society on those <laughs> openings coming down the, the, the red carpet. I made uh, Kevin walk in front of me. <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah, you get up there. I mean, I'll, I'll stay I'll stay back here. I'm the last guy in. Yeah, it, it was a great experience. And it was, it was a busy time. I was playing. I was doing a bunch of golf outings. And that took three months to shoot. So I was flying all over the place. Hey, Gary, Jay was telling me about, and, and I want to find out if these stories are true. One I, I read about, which is you got a, in, a, in a fist fight on the course, and the other one Jay was telling me about was you splitting your pants on the course and uh, no underwear was being worn. So <laughs> we got to find out if this is true on those two stories. Fist fight, no. I'm, there's no way in the world okay. I got in a fight. Okay. I, I couldn't win a fight. Uh, so no, I never, I, I was congenial. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't aggressive. The pants. Yeah. That was in Memphis. You know, when you're going bad, all you're doing is you're on the <laughs> going and you, you lose where you are in time and space and you lose doing your laundry. <laughs> and I, at this point, probably two to three days of, um, of going um, commando, and it was just the, you know it was the lay of the land. I used to, I mean, I was you're practicing all day. It's, we're in Memphis. It was hotter than in hell. Last thing I wanted to do is go and sit in a laundry room somewhere and do my laundry. And I I should have just. But anyway, I didn't have. And I had some. I'll never forget the pants. There were cotton pants, and they were plaid. It was you know we were in the Johnny Miller era, so everybody it was plaid. It was cotton. And I'm playing, and um, I get out there, and I mean, it is Tarzan hot out there. And I've been down on about the sixth hole, way away from the clubhouse, fifth hole, something like that at Memphis. I heard a rip started. I went down, got behind the ball, squat down to see the line, and it started to rip, and it ripped from the top of my fly, underneath, all the way down 
all the way around and back up to where the belt loops are. Just blew it up. <laughs> and now I, I uh, ah, so I put, you know, obviously there's people out there watching. I put my legs together. I tell my guy, come on, come on. I said, give, give me my rain pants. I said, I've had an accident here. He goes, what? I go, it's put my pants. Get my rain gear. He goes, I don't got your rain gear. They're in the, you know, the caddies when it's 100,000 degrees, there's nothing in that bag. So they, all they've got are the golf balls. They take everything out. And I go, you don't, he said, no, they're in my car. Put them in my car in caddy parking lot, which is what, 10 miles away <laughs> from where, where we are. So I go, no, no, geez, now I got a problem. And I, I'm looking around, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't take a step. I can't do, I surely can't get behind the ball and look at the line. I mean, it's so I, I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm looking around, I'm looking around. I'm, what do I do? I'm playing with Rod Curl, a win to Indian, 100% win to Indian. Okay. I got an idea. So I had one towel left. I told him, can you give me the, just give me the towel. So I got the towel and, and, and put it like a loincloth, you know, tucked it in the front of my belt. I said, go get another towel. You know, they take stuff out of the bag. There's, there's only a one towel, you know, to wash the golf balls. And I said, go to the other guys and beg for another towel. And so he goes, I see him talking to the other caddies. And one caddy got in his bag, and he actually had another towel, thank goodness. So I put that, and I put it behind me and tucked it in. So now I've got two towels as loincloths. And my golf swing at that time was I had a I was I had a very close position at the top of the club face. So when you do that, you have to have a lot of lateral slide to block the toe from flipping over and duck hooks. Yeah, I wasn't very good. I was just out there slapping around. So I get and we I go down to putt and it was perfect. A line class hide and everything. I go to the next tee and I took you know a couple practice swings. Man, that towel's flying all over the place. <laughs> well, this is Hilarious. I had to really quiet my lower body down to hit a golf ball, like just standing there and not doing anything. You just give it a whack. Right. Well, I see three under the front <laughs> and my caddy goes at the turn. He goes, he goes, all right. He says, I'll stall. There's the pro shop was right there going to get you some pants and, uh, and we'll go. And I go, Nope. I said, I got something going here with these loincloths. As anyway, I shot 67. I shot 67. Probably was the greatest lesson I ever had in golf and got the idea that, you know, I got to quit doing what I was doing before because my pants split because I refused to do my laundry. So that's that story, and that's true. But, no, I never hit anybody on a golf course. <laughs> good good uh, answer on that one. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Jaybird. Hey, hey, Gary, how's Phil Mickelson doing? I know you guys are tight. Man, don't know. Don't know. We're at our, at our club, all of it. The members that are really good players were all part of his golf team, his buddies, really good buddies. They have not heard from him in two years. Not one of them. Not one of them. His caddy is out there as a member, and uh, he's not caddying for him anymore. He used to be. Uh, he hasn't heard much. I mean, he's, he's really kind of dissolved all of the relationships that he had prior. And I mean, just literally, literally off the face of the earth. We haven't seen him. Always talk to him. His best, I play golf with his best friend all the time. He hasn't heard anything from him in two years. He's he's made a decision, and and um, and I I can't really I can't bring you up on anything because I don't know anything. Mm. I I you know Gary, I just hate that because the the, the guy's so talented and he was so fun. It just almost seems like 
something got so out of hand. I don't know if the personal finance, you know, you hear all these stories because we don't know anymore. I just hate it. Yeah, we don't. There's a there's an interesting book that's going to be coming out written by uh, written by Billy Walters. Oh, okay. Billy Walters is? The gambler from Vegas. Yeah. 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 Billy's, Billy's the probably the greatest gambler of our generation and probably most generations. Um, and, you know, he and Phil were really tight. Billy's a, a good friend of mine. He's got a book coming out. It's supposed to come out the day before. I was going to have him on the show. It was the day before the, the uh, Super Bowl. The lawyers are still looking over this, looking over the content for defamation and so forth. Because Billy's a character, and he's, you know, grew up in Vegas around the boys and stuff. And Phil was part of this, uh, of Billy going to, to prison for the insider trading. And Billy kind of blames Phil for for that, for him going. So shouldn't be too complimentary <laughs> on Phil. Uh, but this book should be really, really interesting. Uh, I can't, the only book I think I've ever, in my lifetime, I'm just dying to read about any and everything about his way of life. And Phil was a big part of it. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe that'll throw some light on it. But as we know it, there was, you know, the only thing I can tell you that he was going to, Phil was going to go to CBS and be the announced, uh, the lead analyst at CBS. And then he won the PGA championship. So that might have changed a little bit. But he had a red carpet right right to CBS and, and doing that. And, you know, we talked about that a bunch, his brand. Uh, when he's on every week and he is the authority and he, Jay, as you know, he, he would have been really, really good mm-hmm. at uh, being an analyst because he's got a lot of BS. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. BS are fantastic. One of the best, one of world-class and he would have been great up there in the tower. So he had every, everything in front of him, you know, right after the win at 51 of the PJ championship. And then, you know, the red carpet right into the, to, you know, one of the great positions of all time, right next to Jimmy Nance. So that whole the whole thing is just, it blew up so fast and it got so acrimonious so fast. Interesting. The whole play was interesting. Hey guys, this is a great conversation, but I want to tell our listeners about FanDuel. You can place bets at FanDuel.com. This site debuted in 2009 and really it reimagined the concept of fantasy sports giving all fans the ability to play one-day fantasy sports for real cash prizes. Then in 2018, Sportsbook launched and is considered the number one online partner. It features bets on all major U.S. sports. That includes football, basketball, baseball, soccer. We always like to talk about it golf in the end of our show with our betting segment, and picking our picks of the week. Motorsports racing, yeah, that's in there as well. So whether you like the spreads, money lines, single bets, or just a same-game parlay, Sportsbook has you covered. It is FanDuel, fanduel.com. Place your bets, have fun, and win. FanDuel.com. Gary, I can imagine that you have all different walks of life that want to play a round of golf with Gary McCord. So I'm curious about... Who's been the most interesting for you? You've had actors like Clint Eastwood. You've had great players in the game of golf. You've had probably other sports figures that say, man, I'd love to play a round of golf with you. Who's been the most interesting, though, for you? Jay knows this guy. Not many people know this guy, but but he's, he's one of my dear friends in life. And this guy's story is is beyond comprehension. 
the, the stuff this guy has done. His name is Johnny Jacobs. And JJ, uh, and Jay, you know, you know who <laughs> JJ is. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, he's still alive. I don't know how he's still alive. It's impossible I, that he's still alive. So, who is JJ? Absolutely. Let's put it this way um, John Daly, John Daly's idol in life was Johnny Jacobs. Yeah. That ought to give you some idea wow. of, uh, of where this is. But he, he's legendary. I mean, and legendary, and uh, we've done a we've done a couple of things. Uh, when I was working for Sirius Radio, BJ Tour Radio, I had JJ on just to tell stories, and I get a phone call after the first round from the CEO of Sirius, and I thought, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble here. What what I do? And he goes, who was that guy? And I go, he's a buddy of mine. He's kind of a legend in the legend in golf, but no one really knows him. And he goes, I want him on every week. <laughs> I know everybody does, but you can't find him. And he's, you know, he's over here and he's over there and he's dodging people and stuff like that. So he, Johnny, I think it was, he, he and I, we play, we play golf together every day when he lived in Arizona here. And it was, uh, you, you know, I, I can't, he's, he's a, one of my dear friends and he's nuts and he is freaking nuts. So he would, he would be the guy. Bill Murray was right there. Bill was, I, I watched an amazement Bill could do stand up for five and a half, six hours while he's doing, doing the pro-am and never, never use the same line, never use the same uh, comedic uh, uh, experience. Uh, he would just come up with this stuff constantly. And it was amazing. Of, of the energy and so forth. Th th those two, those two guys have probably got it. I remember Roger Maltby, who was such a good guy as well, telling me a story about driving down the 405 freeway in the back seat sleeping, and JJ gets pulled over on the side of the road, and he thinks he's still driving. And a cop walks up and taps on the window. And JJ's working the wheel like he's still driving. That story is true. It can go for 20 minutes. Um, they were down and they're on the 405 freeway and they were going to SC. JJ went to SC. He went to enroll. He went there for two days. Um, <laughs> of course and, he did. And they're coming back on the road and there's JJ's. There's three guys in the car and JJ's buddy. One of them was George Shortridge. He was passed out leaning against the right window and um, nicknamed Luke. His name, everybody called him Luke. Everybody in San Diego called everybody Luke never by their first name. And it was JJ's best buddy. And this is a guy that JJ learned how to live life from. Okay. So you can understand that Luke's a little screwed up <laughs> and Luke was driving and JJ was passed out in the back seat and they're coming back from his enrollment and they played golf and SC. And then they came, they were driving back on the San Diego freeway. And the last thing JJ remembers was that Luke had pulled into the fast lane of the 405. So the next scene was he wakes up to this pounding, pounding. And Johnny says he got up and he looked up and he sees George Shortridge is still passed out against the window. And Luke has got both hands on the wheel and the engine is just raging. And he's going, he's going to hear again. He hears this knock, 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 knock right on the on the window and Luke's got takes one hand off the steering wheel and starts rolling down the window and looks out and there's a cop standing there and he goes he looks at the cop and he goes how'd you catch me he's going, well he flipped it into neutral 
<laughs> on the fast lane of the 405 freeway somehow. And all the cars obviously were passing it. So he just gassed it as hard as he could because he couldn't catch up. <laughs> but he was parked in the fast lane of the 405 freeway. <laughs> and oh. the cop arrested all three of them for <laughs> just mayhem. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's just one of four million stories on this idiot. Hey, Gary, we appreciate your time so much. You've been so gracious uh, with us. The stories, I mean, we can keep going on and on, but I know Jay feels the same way. But thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. You got it, guys. You got it. Really appreciate it, Gary. Keep well and hope to see you soon. You got it, partner. See ya. Take care. It's the breakdown. There it is. A win for the ages. That is better than most. Better than most. Maybe. The return to glory on Beyond the Fairways. Gary McCord, what a character in the game of golf, and that was so much fun to visit with him from his time, briefly, at the Masters to Tin Cup, which I really wanted to hear his story about the pelican that was sitting on the uh, the stick in the water and how they did that whole scene, uh, to him splitting his pants. I mean, there was everything in that interview. Danny, I so uh, Johnny Jacobs is the guy that I was talking about in Southern yeah. Cal, and this guy... I can tell you, stories are legendary. So he's got to be legendary among the players for sure. No doubt. And the, okay. the, the interesting thing is, this guy can really play. He is a really, really good player. But, man, he makes John Daly look like a choir boy. He, uh, The story about the 405, I heard that my my rookie year on tour in 1985, and I'm like, <laughs> that cannot be true. Every single person from Southern California verified it. Roger Mulpey was the guy that told me the story in – I can remember when I was I first turned pro and I went over to Vegas and played in the in the Nevada State Open. And you know, you're staying you're in Las Vegas, you're staying in a hotel. And I remember I had met Johnny Jacobs somewhere along the line when I was at UCLA. And I remember seeing him when I was going to bed playing uh, uh, blackjack. And then I, I had like a six fifty tea time and I remember walking out, bag on shoulder, gr- groggy eyed the whole thing. Same chair. Is that right? I mean, I was leaving at five, probably 5.30 to get out there to warm up, <laughs> and he was still firing them down and playing cards. Obviously, you were very, very locked in for that particular tournament. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was paying. <laughs> I mean, when you played the mini tours, Danny, oh, yeah. it was you were paying for your own range balls, and they were all, you know, half of them had the side cut off. It was, it was tough. I was lucky that I only had to spend a year doing that, but that's – Nothing like the Masters. You mentioned and asked the question about Phil Mickelson and Gary McCord and Phil Mickelson, and I didn't know this, were very, very close friends. And you said, hey, what's going on with Phil? And he basically said, I have no idea because he's not talking to anybody. I I just found that fascinating. And we're going to see this week, Phil is going to be a big storyline because of his presence with LIV. So very interesting that he's not talking to people as he locked them out, you know, just where he's at right now in the game of golf. And think about that, Danny. So this guy is the personality. He's the swashbuckler. He's the smartest guy in the room. He's got the knife out 24-7, right? The needle, I should say. He is dig. And this is so out of character. Yeah. Especially with Gary. They've been Such friends. Such a big presence and personality on tour. I know. He's he uh, Gary has been, uh, when you go back and uh, I think Phil won 44 times, and, and plenty of those were on CBS, and Gary and, and Peter Costas, as they worked, 
the broadcasts were very good friends with Phil, spent a lot of time, had a lot of inside info. And to hear this, and also, you know, his brother Tim used to caddy for him. Right. You know, when, once he fired Bones. And, you know, I had, we'll get Bones on the show, too, because he's I'd love just to visit absolutely with him. fantastic. And he, he is such a respectful, high road guy. He didn't get into any of the weeds on this stuff, but I already knew certain things. Like, one, Phil didn't allow Bones to have any of the flag sticks, which is such, that's the caddy trophy, Danny. Because the player gets the adulation. They get the money. They're doing all the interviews. They're all of a sudden getting more sponsors because of how big certain tournaments are. And the tradition is, for fans that don't know, the caddy gets the flag. On the 18th green. You'll watch it. You'll see it plenty of times where they're in the last group and you'll see him. They'll unscrew that little little bolt and take it right off of there and and it's a big deal. So Phil gave it to his grandfather and he would pin it up on his wall in the kitchen and that was his way as an amateur to say thank you and then it carried over to being a pro and that was odd. I mean that you just you shouldn't be doing that. Well look his grandfather doesn't need the actual game-used exactly. flag that went out there. You get him a replica, and you sign it for him and say, Pops, this is great. And you maintain that because, and i got to tell you, that hurt Bones a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Gary McCord, you played with him on tour, and then you see him as an analyst. And I, I just thought he was great because of the mustache, the way that he delivered golf. He was able to relate to the average golf fan, especially when he was in Tin Cup and some of the movie appearances that he had had what did the players think of Gary McCord well what's interesting is if you talk to most of the players today they may not even know who he is mm-hmm. you know because he's been off the tv now for almost three years and and um what I guess there was a mixed bag back then Danny so the older crowd thought it was too much over the line irreverent because of tradition exactly they thought he was violating some of the the state and and true old time traditions that golf was super gentlemanly and Gary was, you know, out there. He talked about bikini wax at Augusta. I mean, man, he, you know, I thought it was interesting though, that he said he had all those magazines up at the booth, you know, because he didn't want cliches. And also there's no internet. Right. Think about Good that. Good point. I hadn't thought about you that. You know, you don't have the internet out there. Now when we get to do a, if we're sitting on a hole, we've got oodles and oodles of information just right at our fingertips and back in the day you know he said he's got a time magazine and and i'm thinking odd but kind of clever well we're going to talk about the tip segment when you're playing augusta national which is rare for anybody listening to this but when you're watching this weekend watch around the greens we're going to talk about that next on beyond the fairways have you ever wanted tips from a pga pro it's the tip segment on Beyond the Fairways with PGA professional Jay Delsing and four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. It's our Masters edition of Beyond the Fairways. Jay Delsing played in over 700 PGA Tour events. I'm Dan McLaughlin. I've always wanted to go to Augusta to watch and take it all in. I have not had that opportunity. My partner, though, has been able to do that. Used to do a lot of groups and tours and things of that nature. Uh, Let's go with the tip segment here with what is it like to play that course and how do you play that course? First of all, it's the most impeccably cared for course in the planet. Danny, so much so that the grass doesn't look real. I actually knelt down and kissed the ground my first time there. And I was like, this 
grass is so green, it is so uniformly cut, and there's not a cigarette butt, there's not a tr- there's no trash. It is like nothing you've ever seen. Imagine the most perfect park. You look through acres and acres of hills and greens, and nothing's out of place, and it is staggeringly cool. So a tip for a fan. Let's talk about a fan for a second. You better take in the grub there, too, because it's unique to that tournament. It is. That's a great call, Dan. I'm so glad you brought that up. First of all, the pricing is back in, I think, 1972 or 73 pricing. So you go in and get a palmetto cheese sandwich, which I didn't even know what that was. They're delicious, by the way. Or a chi- um, an egg salad sandwich, and they cost, like, it's either like a dollar ten or seventy nine yeah. cents or something. So, Danny, I took a group of sixteen guys there one time, and I said, "Guys, get whatever you want." There were beers, and there were uh, sandwiches, and all, all of these things, and it came to like thirty eight dollars. <laughs> and I also went and hosted an event at the Super Bowl, and took people through, and it was like three hundred dollars. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It is amazing. So the Masters, they do a great job for the for the patrons, and they could gouge them like crazy and they don't there's a merch tent uh area and a and a, uh, a merch area danny that is run like the best run business in the world you get in there lo- lines are super long it takes you about 10 minutes to go through the line you walk out with all this cool merch and then there's a ups station right there you send it straight to your house or lockers where you can sit there and pick it up on the way out they just think of everything it is super cool and you have to think about the innovations in golf in terms of uh, how they've changed the course for a while it was tiger proof but now everybody is bombing it so how has that changed in that innovation of the course of what players do yeah great call so one of the things they did danny is they actually added a small amount of rough that doesn't seem like much but they added a, about a half an inch to a, a a first cut of rough outside the fairway back in the day remember there was no rough it was uniform fairway everywhere so it actually makes a lot of difference in how much the ball will roll how much the ball will fly from these, you know, the, with the huge speed that these guys have now in their club heads, it makes a big difference. So just from the agronomy sense, you know, Danny, every one of these greens at Augusta has a sub-air system that actually can suck the water off the greens so that even in a bunch of rain, they can get those greens drier and faster and more masters-like. To become a member, you have to be invited. It's not like you're a billionaire and you say, I want to join that course. Uh-uh. You have to be invited. Yeah, and, and if you're asking the price tag, you're out. It's and, yeah. and the other thing is, to be invited, speaking of price tags, you're not going to pay $200,000 to join this club. Uh-uh, that's not the way it works. No, it's not at all. There's an initial fee on the front end, and then, Danny, every year they just add up the expenses and split it by the number of members. I so, love that. And everybody just cuts a check. And yeah, and it's a, it's a, think of it this way though. It's a national club. There, there are members, but there are very few guys that play it every single day. You know, that's not the way it works. Have you had the opportunity to go at Augusta National and have one of their dinners in, in the rooms that they have? And if not, can you describe uh, the different rooms that they have for a fan there? Yeah. So they have the Butler's cabin, which is where the, the uh, interviews happen. And that is legendary. Alan Shipnuck talked about how he hid in a bathroom so they yeah. could get get in so spend some time with Bubba Watson's win. They also have the Crow's Nest, Danny. That's where the amateurs stay 
when you're the top rated amateurs in the country. So that's for, you know, that's kind of uh, sectioned off for the top amateurs. And then you have just the clubhouse and the old stately. It, it's, it's, it's hollowed ground, man. It is really super cool. We're talking Masters. It is Masters Week on the PGA Tour. As I said earlier, it's like Christmas morning for any golf fan. We're going to talk about innovations with the Masters and how they cover it on television. That's next on Beyond the Fairways. The world of golf is ever-evolving. It's time for equipment and innovations in golf. On Beyond the Fairways. So we've talked about how the course has changed because of length, maybe Tiger Woods, but you really wanted to get into what it's like to be around the greens, which can be applicable to even any fan if you're playing your local course or the Masters. Oh, Danny, 100%. So you get these tight lies all over the place, and oftentimes the fall-offs off, just off the edge of the green, they swoop down and they roll down into these low areas, and you're going to see a lot of players using clubs other than their most lofted wedges. Some will be driving something into the hill, but here's what I want you to look for. Look for some of the players that are using three woods or their hybrids, and just like using a putting motion, they're going to roll and kind of uh, swing that thing, and it's going to be like a long putt with a different club up that hill. And the reason they do that is that loft on that three-wood or that hybrid gets that ball up in the air and gets it tumbling better, and it's easier and, and better to judge. And so definitely, folks, when you're watching, think of that option when you get back to your home course. you got a really tough shot that's got to go up a hill, probably to a really, really tight pin. Think about that hybrid. Think about your three-wood, and watch this week at the Masters because you will see players trying that. So you're not going to see as many bump and runs, maybe taking a seven iron and, and bump and run with that, or are you going to see more of the hybrids that you're talking about? Yeah, it just depends on the player but because I think the European players will do more of the bump and runs with a seven iron or six iron, but I think more of the U.S. players, you know, the U.S. players are, are – play in high rough more than the European players do, Danny. So they'll do – they're really good at those long swinging high lobby shots, but that is a really difficult shot to hit off of that tight lie. Some players will still do it. Philly Mick will still do it, but not everybody. And that that hybrid or um, uh, even a driving iron or a three or a four or five wood works wonderfully with the same motion you use with your putting stroke, but it just pops the ball up in the air and gets it tumbling a little better. Innovations in golf is coming up. It has been unique in how the Masters is covered in television. And for so many people, they'll be watching on television, on CBS. Jim Nance is the lead announcer. The analysts are spread throughout the course on various greens. So I'll ask you, Jay, how has, in an innovation in golf, how has the things that they do to cover the sport, but to cover, in particular, the Masters, how has that changed? Well, first of all, Danny, they're the first to not use a bunch of commercials. So I don't know if you recall back in the day where they had the, all the flack with Martha Burke. Well, they basically called all of their sponsors and say, said, we're going to be returning the money and we're going to run this year's event with no commercials. I love that. I mean, so they're not going to be dictated to and they want to be they know they understand their significance. Right. They're on the leading edge of this stuff 100 percent of the time. So back in the day, Danny, golf started with only 
coverage on the 15th, 6th, the last four holes. That's right. You know, and and it, and so you, never did you have coverage on the front nine. Never did you have coverage even on the early parts of the back nine. But th- there's so much drama um, at the back nine of Augusta. So they started, they were the first to ever have the entire back nine full. So you're going to get to see shots at 10 all the way through 18. And they still don't do that on the PGA tour. I remember being down in Mexico when Tiger won his last masters, which was drama like you've never seen before. His first one that he won was in 1997. And we all know what happened with Tiger Woods from his body and the ailments and trying to come back and then the off-course issues that he had. And yet here he is and he wins the Masters. And I went to an app and was able to follow individuals. The Masters app will allow you to follow different players that you're not going to see in the coverage of CBS. I love that aspect of what they've done. That's a great call, too. Their app is so all of the majors have their apps now. Their app is so far more developed than the USGA's or the PGA's or the Open Championships app. It is it is remarkable. I can remember when I was hosting events and groups down at Augusta, I would pull out my Masters app and we would talk and then the roar would come up and I go, here's what happened. You know, Louis Oosthuizen holds his shot and made a double eagle over on number two because in this area you're hearing roars and there's a – definitive tiger roar as you know and so it is really super fun and then now at augusta danny we have coverage on every single hole that's right 18 holes from the very beginning and how cool is it to go to the honorary starters jack nicholas gary player and tom watson i mean and you get to watch that that's history and tom watson said he was recovering from shoulder surgery but he said the goal is to be one of the starters and to hit that shot. So I, I can't wait to see that trio be out there and the history behind it too. Yeah, absolutely. And we got to get um, a Gary Player on the show. He is a real treat. He's 80, 89 years old, I think. And he's got more energy, Danny, than the two of us put he's together. He's in better shape than us. It's unbelievable. He, uh, um, got to tell you a funny story. His son, Wayne, is a friend of mine, and Wayne's a, obviously a character, said his dad does like to get up at night and have a Snickers or two when nobody's looking. <laughs> I thought that was great. But, yeah, I mean, what the hell? I mean, Gary's won the Masters three times and the career slam. I mean, it's just the storylines are all over the place. I don't know if there's ever been a more exciting golf event with the live piece, with the live and the champions dinner, and just the Masters in general and Tiger playing again. I do wonder if CBS has been directed, if some of the live players are not playing well, if they have been directed to say, we're focusing on the PGA Tour. And so for a guy like me, I want to, I've said this to you and you know this, I want to watch Phil Mickelson. I love watching him play. I know he's older. I know it would be probably the story of all stories if he would be able to go out and do this. Uh, Cam Smith, who was so good before he left for LIV, I want to watch him. I love watching DJ. I love watching these players. So they've made the jump to live and now are allowed to go to the Masters. I am very curious. We're talking innovations in golf and how they cover this on television. How much are they going to cover those players? Or if they've been directed to say, unless they're in contention, we're, we're not going to play uh, pay much attention to their play. Yeah, publicly they've already said they're not. But to your point, what's going to happen? What When the rubber meets the road, you know what that's like. Yes. It's going to be really in, you know, how way, way better than I do. I'm interested from the live player standpoint, Danny, to see 
what is it going to be like to play four rounds? This is a different thing. There's no cut. You're, this, the, the live event is an exhibition. It just is. There's not nearly the pressure and the drama. You know, you don't, you're going to need to be sharp straight away. I don't know what's going to happen. Jay Delsing, Dan McLaughlin with you. Beyond the Fairways, this is our Masters edition. And coming up, we'll have our picks of the Masters next. Where do we find the best golfers in the world this week? It's time for the Picks segment on Beyond the Fairways. The Picks segment for us, Jay Delsing, Dan McLaughlin, Beyond the Fairways, and wherever you get your podcasts, please uh, subscribe, download it, and uh, support our sponsors, but make sure you support this, Beyond the Fairways, with an S. Our Picks segment, I'm going to go completely, completely off the beaten path because I love watching the guy play. Do I really think he's going to win the Masters? No. But if he did, will I take credit for it? Absolutely. And that's Tiger Woods. I'd <laughs> oh, love to see it happen. I would love to see it happen, too. Sentimentally, that's that's a great... I know oh. it's a crazy pick, but I don't care. I know, it's our who podcast. Cares? It, would, it would absolutely rewrite the, the storyline completely. I'm going with my second uh, sentimental pick, and that's Rory. I'd love to see Rory get the career grand slam. I'd also love to see, um, you know, he's stepped up big time since this live controversy and there'd be nothing that he'd like more than to to knock this thing off. It'd be hard, at least in my opinion, to pick against DJ. Uh, that's certainly somebody that you think about. I also think it's hard to pick against Scotty Scheffler. Every week, if he's if he's registered to play, how do you pick against this guy? He's the hottest player in the world. And, I mean, his compete level, as we've talked in other shows, it's just off the charts. This guy is just so intense. He's so in there, and he putts just great. All right, I've got my dark horse. I know he's an LIV guy, but it's Cam Smith, and he was playing so well before he jumped to LIV. He's a terrific player, great ball striker. It's hard to pick against him, too. And, Danny, Cam won the Players' Championship and the Open Championship in the same year before he jumped to live. So he's a, he's a world-class player. How about your dark horse? Who are you going with? Is, is it a LIV player? What are it you is. doing? I'm going with Joaquin Neiman. I love this kid. He's a young guy. His, I think this is his third Masters, and he's got a lot of talent. I'd love to see him play well down there. How about Mickelson? It's going to be fascinating as he meets with the, the golf media. The eyes of the golf world are there. You know he's going to be interviewed. He's going to be on stage. Uh, number one, how do you think he plays? And number two, what do you think it's going to be like, the media coverage of Phil going into the Masters? It'll be intense for him, for sure, media coverage-wise. And his, if you've watched his press conferences, as I have with Liv, he has gone total different guy. He, he, he doesn't joke around. He doesn't throw barbs out there. He doesn't, he doesn't he, he's not playful at all. He's just kind of by the book, and it's really un-Phil Mickelson-like. I mean, well, basically, Danny, he's trained us for the last 30 years on, on on who he is and how he acts, and this is totally off the reservation. He's got the sort of game he could clearly play well, but he just hasn't played well in so long. I really believe that all this outside stuff off the course, the LIV stuff, the comments about the scary, you know what's all of that, I think it's taken its toll, and I think it's beat him down. As we wrap it up, I can see my partner here, Jay Delsing, this weekend, never leaving his couch, maybe just to go to the bathroom, and that is even questionable, or even eating. You're going to be watching every single second of this. Can't, I can't get enough of it. It's just so great. I love the from the driving range. That, you know, they, they, they show some, some great picks on there. Danny, when Tiger won in 2019, he did something really interesting, and I was standing right there. 
Sunday's round, he's, he Joey set the bag down on the far left side of the range. Tiger took a club. He walked slowly from that end of the range behind every single player on the range. So little intimidation? Every, I don't know. It was really interesting. Every single player watched him and knew that he was doing that. And he went slowly and went all the way up, didn't hit a ball, was carrying his, his, his wedge, and went all the way back down. And then he and Joey moved to a different location. So there was definitely something going on. I picked up on every minute of it. I thought it was awesome. Every player out there knew the big cat was hanging around. I love this. This has been such a fun show to talk about the Masters, to get your inside perspective of this. You played in over 700 PGA Tour events, and the visit with Gary McCord, that was about as good as it gets. It was. I, You know, he's in that same ilk with Faraday. He's just a character. He sees the game a different way. He lives his life a slightly different way, and it was really fun to hear him. Jay loved it. Thanks. Danny, I can't wait to do this again next week. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you get your podcasts, Beyond the Fairways with an S, and this has been Beyond the Fairways. Beyond the Fairways.